Welcome to Writing Black Joy Season 2. I am Sophia Robinson and I'm a writing coach and an editor and a story listener as well as the producer of Writing Black Joy, a virtual space that celebrates, centers and promotes the voices of black writers and storytellers with joyful and uplifting stories. Here, you'll find conversations with some of my favorite Black writers and storytellers, learn more about their projects and the joy they're bringing into the world, hear more about their creative process, and find inspiration for your own creative ventures, as well as tips and strategies for writing poetry, blogs, creative nonfiction, fiction, plays, and so much more from all types of writers, as well as a sneak peek into the writing life. You can even find your next favorite writer, book, poem, play, or blog. And if you are a Black writer who is looking for a coach or an editor to help you bring your joyful story into the world, then click on my website below to find out how to work with me. In the meantime, let's go to today's guest. Today's guest is Philip Robinson, a Bajan currently residing in the United Kingdom. He's written plays, poems, and songs since childhood, and he believes that diversity needs to be celebrated as a norm rather than the tension that divides. He is the author of two children's books, which we will be discussing in our conversation today. Philip and I talk about beauty standards, particularly in children's books and fairy tales, and the lack of association of Black girls with beauty in children's stories. We also talk about how inspiration for stories can come from so many different places, finding the time to write, illustrations of Black characters for children's books, self-publishing versus traditional publishing of children's books, how comparison affects creativity, and so much more. You will find links to Philip's work in the show notes. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is Writing Black Joy, season two, and today I am joined by someone who may even be related to me. <laughs> uh, very true. Very true. This is Philip Robinson, and he is many things. I'm going to tell you a few of them in a minute. First, if you've wandered onto this page and you wonder where you are, what, you know, what you're doing here, what's going on, this is season two of Writing Black Joy, where I am interviewing authors, storytellers, playwrights, documentarians, all types of people, and we are talking all about writing, about creativity, and about joy. So, Philip was born in Barbados, the Bajan Connection, and he currently resides in the United Kingdom. Uh, he's been creating characters and stories since his early childhood. He's written plays, poems, and songs for church youth groups. Philip's new breadth of storytelling is inspired from life in multicultural Europe, having lived in Germany, Northern Ireland, and England since leaving Barbados. He believes that diversity needs to be celebrated as a norm rather than a tension that divides. Children, teachers, and parents seem to enjoy his stories and storytelling because of a mix of novelty, imagery, and fun. When he's not writing, he works as an IT systems architect, composes music, indulges in jazz music, tries to perfect, I'm sorry, his banana bread recipe. We can talk about that, <laughs> by the way. Oh, Give me some tips if you want. I have a really okay. good banana bread recipe. Uh, hangs out with his wife and two kids. And to all the Bajans in the house, uh, I'm going to consent to mention that Philip is a calm air boy. Um, and he, I, 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 I agreed to, I've consented to mention this because that <laughs> is a calm air alum. And so I think he would, he would be proud of me, you know, 
acknowledging this because up and on. So um, I will acknowledge we went to Calmer. If you're outside of our business and you don't know what that means, just put a message in the Get chat. Get to know it. Get I'll, to know it. I'll explain it later. But <laughs> it, uh, it's not a bad thing, but you know, I said I would mention it. So thank you so much for joining me, Philip. Uh, one thing, other one thing I wanted to mention, which he didn't mention in his bio, is that he is also the writer of Mia and the Kingdoms of Celebration and a few other uh, projects that we're going to get into discussing. I got this book for my nephew as soon as I heard about it, and he absolutely loved it. Oh. I, I, I wouldn't have told you that, but he absolutely loved it. So um, if you have kids and you want to get grab his book i'm going to drop all his links and everything somewhere below if you're on youtube you'll find it in in the on the website if you're on the podcast app you'll find it in the show notes so somewhere you'll find links to all his work and we go from there thank you so much for joining me philip i really appreciate it and yeah, uh, happy to be here thanks for inviting me along yeah yeah i was i i, I was so happy i, I was I had considered in, in season one, but season one went so quickly that oh. everybody that I wanted in season one, so I was like, we're like the first person I contacted for season two. I'm like, I have to have Philip come in and talk. Good, about good. But before we go, let, let, let's explore the, the, the family. Your, your, your line of Robinsons. Listen, the thing, here's the thing. I, I, I wish my sister was here because she has a lot more information than me. Okay. But we call my sister and your sister were at school together and this is how yeah. I got the information that we may be related I remember when I first met Joanna and I was saying to Robinson, and I was like I'm sure we're related to them but I'm not sure how mm-hmm. and then it was Erdiston of course we went to primary school together so we did yeah anything is possible I'm gonna get more information on that and, and I'll, I'll let you know but I yeah sister was almost certain that you're related so i was like this is good i'm, I'm pretty sure pretty sure we are if we if we dig dig into it, into it I, so. I did some i was doing some reading recently and the the first robinsons appeared in barbados in 1635 mm. so 10 years after powell landed is when wow. the name robinson first appeared of course we know historically there's a lot of trauma and so on included in how that name has been bestowed on us. It's very true, yeah. But I think it's um, fascinating to, to be aware of, of this history. Yeah, I definitely think it is too. And that is, uh, that is something that, um, you know, when I lived in the UK, I got a lot of uh, like looks like, how, how did you get a last name, Robinson? I was like, uh, give you a history book. Read. Read. Here, read this. We'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> So, yes for sure for sure um so i was gonna say tell us a bit about your project but i know from just before we hit record you have so many projects on the go so i'm gonna start by asking about uh me and the kingdom celebration you can i think you have a coffee close by so just hold it up and i yeah i want to say um i love this book i absolutely love the illustrations. so that's something i want to ask you about later Tell us, how did you even come to write this book? How did you get inspired to write? write Thanks, Saxon. But before I go anywhere, let me shout out Sharice Harris, who's yes. the illustrator for the book. Sharice is, is fantastic. Um, wonderful human being altogether. But um, I'll tell you a bit about how we met and how she became the, the illustrator for this book. But let me go right back to my first inspiration for writing this. This happened 
um, when my daughter was about four years old, so maybe 2012. Okay. And, and she was starting to get really into like Disney stories, Cinderella, Snow White, those sort of stories. And I just remember this one night I was reading Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to her. And that line, and I got to that line, Snow White was the most beautiful girl in the world with her snow white skin and red rosy cheeks. Red rosy cheeks, red lips, black hair. Yeah. Yeah. And immediately for the first time, you know, I've read that story for since I was a lad, you know, but somehow as I read it to my daughter, some, a lump went into my throat and I had this moment of, wait a minute, you mean we've been reading and reinforcing this story of beauty and this image of beauty to our children and reinforcing to them, this is what beauty looks like from the time they're babies and then expect them to grow up with a different viewpoint and worldview. And I just said, you know what, tonight we're not reading this book. <laughs> and that was the end. Never was read again. And I decided to, I, I made up a story. It wasn't this story, but I can't remember the story made up for that, that night. Um, but then once she was in bed, I went on the internet and I just started searching and searching for kids' books um, that featured, I didn't have a son as yet back then, but that featured black girls and associated them with, with beauty. Mm-hmm. And my heart sank because I didn't find any. Oh, <laughs> the, man. I, I, came across, I came across books and I started asking um, some of my circle and, and friends and so on. And they sent me a few recommendations of books with black characters. But what I found is a lot of our children's books with black characters were talking about the experience of being black. Um, yes. Also not mentioning beauty, but mentioning words like strong and proud and, and mm. so on. And when they talked about beauty, it was beauty from within. And quite often the children were, that were depicting the books were going through struggle, which, which yes. is a reality. It's a reality of, of all people, <laughs> right? But, but that's the thing. It's, 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 a, it's everybody's reality. It's, not, it's yeah. not, you know, specific to the Black experience. Like everybody's life is ups, downs, struggles, good, bad. Absolutely. And yeah. it's, to me, it's, it's kind of a stereotype. Like this is, yeah. but also for you to mention that point that the book was about the experience of Blackness. And there was, um, I remember uh, a while ago, I was listening to, I, um, and I'm going to put the information in the, on the website, but I don't remember the name of the person who was on being interviewed on the podcast. And she said the same thing. She was like, to just have books about Black characters living life, right? They're just living life. They're just going through the usual life, you know, going to school. As I always talk about Ethan Dunks, that wouldn't be as you're a major, but like when I was a child, that was what I wanted. Like, that's what I was yeah. doing in my life. I was like, no, no, oh, Absolutely, dunks. yeah. My belly hurting me, my friends laughing <laughs> bad. Where was that story, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just living life. So I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, and it just, it just stood up for me that there was something missing there and I sought sought after doing that I did come across a few books who had created like and some people mentioned this to me like the black version of Snow White the black version of Goldilocks and I said that's cute but that's not what I want to do that's not the story I want to read we, we have so much stories um, that we can we can write and 
then I decided I wanted to really, I wanted to create my own character. And I'd never written a, a book before, but I felt as though it was a thing. I'd done like writing music and songs and so on, but I felt as though this was a thing I wanted to do. So I started thinking about the, the character first. And the first, I'll, I'll read to you the first thing I wrote without having the story. I, I, just, I defined the character and it, and it said this. I chose the name Nia because it's it's Swahili for, for purpose. Okay. And I have something funny to tell you about that. Like, go ahead. Okay, okay. And that's the fir- very first thing I wrote. Princess Nia was very beautiful. So I wanted to, to have that light in yeah. there. Her, her skin was dark like the bark of the cashier tree and glowed as though the sun's rays lived in her cheeks. So I wrote that and put it down. And then later on that day, I was watching National Geographic. And was talking about the, the period of time on the earth when the earth was one, one continent and just looking at the, the continental drift and mm-hmm. so on. And suddenly, <laughs> I just had this idea. Ooh, what, what would have humanity been like if we had remained one continent without a separation by, by water? And we know of growing up in the Caribbean, once you're separated by water, it creates very, very different people. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and, and almost this, this idea of um, national ownership and, and boundaries, water, water tends to do that to you. And my experience of living in, in Europe, although you have very different people and, and borders and so on, because it, Europeans are very good at drawing straight lines. Oh, my goodness. Very straight lines. <laughs> like you, <a> know? <laughs> you know, good. They're good at it. <laughs> right. But uh but especially with um with the European Union and so on, the experience of just driving and moving between Germany and Austria and Switzerland and France and Belgium very easily flowing and, and the languages would change and the accent would change and so on. But there was this almost gradual like a place like Strasbourg, for example, mm-hmm. which is right on the boundary of Germany and um, France, you know, you can go there and you can speak German and you're fine. Um, I speak German, but I don't speak French. Um, wow, that's, that's impressive. You know, I speak more French than, but, well, I speak no German, but I speak no uh, a little bit of French, yeah. French, yeah. But, but there you, you see that, that, that sort of blending of the two languages, French and German, in that, in that region, especially, you know, because there's no, there's no water dividing it, so there's this free flow. Yeah, and I, and I and I ask in my mind, what if humanity was all on one massive continent, and they just drifted out to different areas, but still came together? But then <laughs> this thing happens that breaks the, their world apart, um, yeah. and I found a really good metaphor for a geographical split, but also yeah. a a social and um, um, sort of um, cultural drift as well. And yeah. that's what started the story. Yeah, I love that. And, and, and people, you, like, if, um, if you have children, get the book. If you are not a child or have a child, um, we're going to be talking about what might be coming for you later. But I actually love that idea for a story. And, and the point that, like, you get inspired from anywhere, right? Like, you yeah. are reading a book that, you decided, yeah, this is not this is not going to work, and then you kind of got the inspiration from there, and then 
you know, as you started with the idea. And I find that happens if I am writing something and I start mm -hmm. and then ideas start coming to me from like something I'm listening to or I'm walking down the street or, you know, you're listening to a conversation or whatever. Yeah. Then you just find ideas will be coming to you and stuff like that. What I was going to say is <laughs> kind of unrelated, yeah. but my, uh, my middle name is actually Anania. And when I was oh. growing up, I, my alter ego was Nia. So, <laughs> when I wow. saw, yeah. So when I saw the book, I was like, oh, it's okay. Me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love That's exactly who's writing it for you, Safia. I, know. That's, I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit more about the, that particular book. Let's just keep going with that. Because yeah, I'm yeah. curious, how long did it take you to actually write it? Just the, you know, the sort of content for it. Writing the content took it, it was sort of starting and, and stopping mm -hmm. starting and stopping constantly and I think I I had toyed with with not writing the book and just going back to my safe space of writing music so I, I did consider instead of writing near the book why not mm -hmm. write near the song, the song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and just leave it at that but but I just kept pressing on and I remember I committed to the first version of it in Christmas 2015. Now, this is an interesting story. So in 2015, I, we still lived in Northern Ireland. So up to 2015, we lived in Northern Ireland and where both of my kids are, are born. But in 2015, I changed my job and had to move to Manchester and I moved on my own initially. So I had six months of traveling between Manchester, London and Belfast in Northern Ireland. Of, of doing that but it meant that I was staying on my own for many nights mm. <laughs> you know um, and I said you know what let me use my time and, and just write this book and, and learn to draw I wish I had the, the very original one and what I decided to do was to I drew the, the initial characters myself I'm no good at drawing. Let me put it that way. I okay. don't believe you, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I drew all, all these initial characters and ideas and, and wrote the story right to the end and came up with a storyline. And it was it was quite a lengthy book. I think it was about 50 pages <laughs> initially. <laughs> Realize that? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's the very the very first version of it. But I did it as my daughter's Christmas gift. And you know, got it bonged and printed and, and everything. So she got that for Christmas 2015. And we we were together with some friends and they saw it as a gift and they was like, oh, that's nice. And so they read it and said, we really like this story. You should you should properly get this published. And I said, well, if, if I, because I care about the story so much, if I publish it, it needs to be well illustrated. Mm. And then I started reading up on the industry a bit and recognized, okay, 50 pages is too long and too expensive for color <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah so, so then I just worked hard on reducing the story. I also shared it with another friend. I'm going to shout her call Judith who lives in, she's from Belfast. She's Northern Irish and a school teacher. And I shared it with her. She's an English teacher over in Northern Ireland. And she was like, oh, I absolutely love this story. Um, I'm going to share it with my class. I said, oh, that'd be great. And I'll give it to them as a writing assignment. And, and I still have a whole bunch of letters from the children in her class 
giving me a book review of what they like for <laughs> boys and girls, um, all white, you know, from Northern Ireland, you know, talking about the story. And that for me was one of the really important aspects of the book. Yeah. I was not writing a black story for black people. I wasn't doing black joy for mm. black people. Yeah. It, I was doing black joy because it's great and everybody mm. needs to feel it. Yeah. And enjoy. Yeah. And I love that from the perspective that, you know, like, you know how 2020 was. This is by the time this releases, it's going to be February 2022. But, you know, during 2020 in the online space, I had a lot of people asking, um, like, they wanted to read, you know, books about books by Black writers um, in the U.S. You know, they would say people of color, writers, Black Mm -hmm. writers. And people were looking for social justice books. And I was like, read all kinds of books. (laughs) Like, it's important to read historical books it's important to read the historical narrative it's important to read the books that explain the different tensions and whatever but like it's also important to read all books because I feel like that is what brings the feeling of commonality right the feeling of like well this person's just like anybody else as opposed mm-hmm. to um this is this is a this is a relationship that has to be curated and managed and whatever it's like I can just yeah. build a relationship with this person because they're just like any other person yeah uh, so to me, I like that idea that it, the book is just for everyone because it's just a book about people, children <laughs> living in a yeah. kingdom, doing stuff. And exactly. Yeah. It would appeal to any any child. So I absolutely yeah. love that. I uh, love those yeah. letters that you got and, and that type of thing. How did you go about getting it illustrated? Because that's one of the things there was uh, on season one, uh, one of my early guests, uh, Akiwa Ire, she wrote mm. a book about... Um, she writes about African heroes for children. Yeah. And she said one of the, the first books she wrote was about the Benin Kingdom. Well, it was oh, wow. And mm-hmm. trying to get that book illustrated, she said she found a lot of people who would, it was basically like they drew a white character and colored it in brown, basically. Like the, you didn't get the features, you didn't get the, like I love, the thing I love about your illustrations like the girls with the cornrow in their hair and like yeah, so yeah. that's just I just think of my own you know childhood hero yeah. styles and it, it I love absolutely loved it so tell me a bit about the process of getting it yeah so so exactly what you said there was was a real challenge I had and I started off you know I, I knew of I met a few creatives and illustrators here in the UK and when I chatted with them I just nodded politely quite, quite, quite often because a lot of what they were saying was they were presenting me the, the challenges that I would have that they would have drawing a black character, which for me was a bit um, de- depressing. Depressing, know? yeah, and makes yeah. me it makes me think about, and this is kind of like almost unrelated. But I was saying to my sister the other day, I I went to dental school, pretty boring. A lot of people that <laughs> that see me online <laughs> don't actually know what I do for a living, which is absolutely right. Boring. But I went to dental school and I remember like never, you know, even medical illustrations and everything is always, you know, I I call myself people, the whole medical industry is based around a white man. Like not not even just a white person, like a white man. Yeah. Not seeing like the different, you know, we we would be looking at like different stuff that can go wrong with your skin and boring stuff like that. 
and you're not you're only seeing it from one perspective you're only seeing it in one ethnicity you're only seeing that one thing absolutely like yeah that was that's probably how people are taught to draw and illustrate and, and yeah. that type of thing so i i can see yes it would be difficult but i feel like it, it's surprising to me that you, that you got such um resistance i would almost say to the idea. yeah but, but I, I wouldn't exactly call it resistance I, I would call it this this almost intrigue curiosity but but people felt people were up for doing it but they saw it as a as a big challenge ah. and and you know what i'm what i mean and, and presented the, the the challenge that i would get with it so I said, it's not really, I don't want somebody to do this from a perspective of exploration and challenge. I want somebody to do it from a perspective of real understanding. Um, and then one of my cousins down in, in London, she, she reads this magazine. I think it's called Repeating Islands. Um, I think that's, that's the name of the magazine. But they were featuring this artist who was a resident at, at a place called Fresh Milk. In- Fresh Milk! Did you know, I have a cousin who did her residency in Fresh Milk. She lives in Canada. Oh, right. Yeah, oh, I, I know yeah. a few artists so, that, did, oh, that, that were at Fresh Milk. Yeah. With um, Annalie. Annalie, Annalie Davis. Yeah. 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 So who, who I've met um, quite recently as well. But Sharice was, was the artist in residence at, at that point in time. And when I read her story and looked at her illustrations and how she depicted her black characters and she does things like black fairies and all sorts of mythical creatures and so on, but starting from that perspective of, of black. And I was like, there's my illustrator. Mm-hmm. And so I just looked on my social media network to see if I could find somebody who, who knew her. And I connected with a friend of mine, Janelle Headley, who does Operation Triple Threat? Yeah, I know Janelle because Operation Triple Threat had an adult um, for a very brief moment in time. Yeah. I was with that. I was with their adult core. Yeah, I know Janelle yeah. from school as yeah, well. Yeah. Janelle is very cool. I met her met her a couple years ago through a, a friend from Northern Ireland, actually. Wow. And I just sent Janelle a message and said, "Hey, do you know this young lady, Sharice Sharice Harrison? Could you connect me with her?" She said, "Yeah, I know Sharice," and Within, within two days, we had a quick phone call. I told her the story. I sent her the story and so on. I tried to, I asked her for her, her rates, what, what, what it was going to cost to do the illustration. Made it very clear, this is not me asking for favor. This is like, me. Yeah, like hiring my, you. <laughs> hiring you, putting my, my um, savings on the line for you because I, I like what you do. And the interesting thing with, with her is that for her, drawing the black characters was the thing she did. The challenges came when I said, oh, by the way, all the characters in my book are not black characters. Mm-hmm. I have um, created characters that are Chinese, European, and, and also Indo. And people who, who I imagine would look like the various indigenous cultures that would have been found in the Americas and the Caribbean and, mm-hmm. um, and so on. And I wrote a brief for each character, um, including Nia's dad. And I reminded her the dad is not me, by the way. 
Although I started to grow a beard and everyone said, oh, look at you. You're trying to become your character. <laughs> yes, when life imitates art. <laughs> <laughs> and I also own a purple dashiki, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You sure this is not you? Listen, secretly, right? All authors write about themselves. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was it. There, there's some, some aspects of his behavior that, that I did. I did sort of model around how I would respond to situations as well. Yeah, but I wrote the brief about um, the king, the queen. I even wrote a, a brief to her about different people in the kingdom who don't really feature in the story, but who will just appear as characters and what the elders were my favorite. I like describing them, um, what, how they would look. And the kingdom itself would be a place of beauty, of simplicity, of of beauty, laws of flowers and, and color. And the other thing I pointed out to her, because we, 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 had, we had one point of tension when she sent her first character sketches of um, some of the people in the kingdom. And I said, I responded to her and I said, these are not my people, Sherry. Sorry, these people look to, for want of a better word, <laughs> they look too poor. Mm. Right, and I didn't mean that in a condescending way. I just meant it. It looked like the way that people were depicted in in many books. Yes. And I said, yes. I need, I need royalty. these people to look to look like royalty, um, including the the citizens of the society, because they 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 weren't in a time. I started to speak of, about it as it was a real kingdom, you know. I said it was a thriving kingdom. They were doing well. They had everything. They were the center of this earth that was about to crumble, right? They had everything they could ever, ever want. And then she sent the, the fresh version. I said, these are my people. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and it was, yeah, it was a great, great exchange. And then we just had that exchange of layout and picking up key elements of the story that she would illustrate and agreed when it was enough. And by get, seeing the illustrations as well, that helped me to, to edit the story and yes. get the story down to enough. I said, well, the, the images are speaking for themselves, so I no longer need to write all this text. And that was great. And then once I got to the end, someone asked if I was going to look for a publisher. And then another friend of mine, who's a, also a writer and a self-published writer and poet called Raquel over in Northern Ireland. She's originally from Jamaica. She said... Philip, you got to watch out. You got to watch out with the publishers. <laughs> um, but, but her experience was that you would create a character who was dark-skinned, and by the time the publishers look at it and start to think of their market who needs to buy it, the, the hue of their skin would suddenly lighten up because it needs to appeal mm -hmm. to mass market. So I made a decision. I believe in the story. I'm pretty sure if I really push at some point in time, I'd find a publisher. But yeah. I want to, I want to own what, what it, these characters look is. like. And yeah. The other thing which I learned just through my own experience, personal, and also with other people going through the publishing, both self-publishing and traditional, is mm -hmm. that you don't have any ownership of what is published if you go traditional right you could send no. them all the sketches and all the images in the world but they 
tend to have, especially with children's books, they tend to have yeah. the say most of them, they have their own illustrators that they would use. And so yeah. you might end up with a story that's completely different to not and the story as well as the illustrations that is completely yeah. different to what you envision. So I think self-publishing, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it has a cost and it has a risk, but I feel yeah. like I love that it's, I love that it's an avenue that's available for people because a lot of the time publishers, they, they, they want to sell what has always sold. Right. So as you said, yeah. if they see it, they're like, well, this, this is what needs, needs to be available. You know, this is what has to look like in order to appeal to a mass market. When the reality of it is, as you, you said, when you, your friend who was the English teacher, Judith, who shared it with her, yeah. students, like it has appeal regardless. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. To be, yeah. Um, you know what to say? Cafe au lait. <laughs> yeah. you know, like this yeah. Person or whatever to, yeah. to have that mass market appeal. So I absolutely love that. You. Yeah. That. And yeah, and I and I I stuck with that and decided, okay, this is going to cost me, right? It's going to be quite costly to undertake, but I think it's it's worth it because I don't see any other stories out there like it, and I I just pushed through and took the financial hit did a lot of reading on what it meant because when you're self-publishing you have to recognize okay self-publishing isn't without a publisher it means i am the publisher i have to set up my publishing company i have to get my isbns i have to do what a publisher does i have to figure out what's my best route to market and i did go with, with amazon although i did get advice from one of the bookstores who stocks the book that i should have not gone via Amazon. I should have just taken the hit and gotten a printer. Yeah, but I was I was fine with that because this was not a, a money making quit your job sort of idea. No, right. That wasn't that wasn't what was behind it. Behind it was was really there's stories that need to be told. I need to plant a seed in the market that we we need fresh stories and and um a different way of telling black joy <laughs> stories and yes. than just talking about struggle. I agree. Um, yeah. And, and that, and that was, and that was it. And I just remember November, 2017 when I had all the images from Shuri said, so compiled them and brought them together. I fitted them together. I'd gotten one. No, I got two different rounds of samples and proofs from the printer from Amazon. And then just remember the moment saying, you know what? That's it. Oh, yes. And there's one more person who was involved in this process. And that's <laughs> my sister, Joanna. Yes. Because, yes. Our, our mutual person. Yeah. So, so I needed an, an editor. And I'd, I'd asked Judith to do a wrong, my, my English teacher friend. But she's very kind. <laughs> I said, who do I know who I can, can trust? Who would be quite brutal and feel no way about it with me? <laughs> I said, ah, it's always going to be your sister. Yeah, always. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that was it. And I just remember, and and she was actually coming to to visit me mm-hmm. around the same time. So, so things just lined up, and she was coming to visit me in Manchester. I said, hey, good. Yeah, you're on holiday. Great. Yeah. Would you mind? <laughs> and I know Joanna just sits and reads, so she sat for a day on the table and just took a red pen and went through 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. What she what she dis what didn't sound good, what could go better. Mm-hmm. And she thought it was gonna be one of these moments of, of sibling squabbling. Tension. So I was like I was like, nope. That's whatever what you tell me. Yeah, whatever you tell me is better, I'm accepting it and committing it in. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Good stuff. And yeah. And just posted it out. Good stuff. And the thing, the thing about that, Joanna and I are in a, a book club together, so we're used to <laughs> we're used to tearing apart books. Uh, yeah, that, obviously. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think you do need you do you know I I guess that's your sister, and, and they're maybe they may not be kind about it. Uh, you can kind of take it. You're used to that. You're, you're used to that abuse when it comes yeah, to something anyway. Absolutely. But yeah. also, you do need someone's outside perspective. I think we are so close to our work. Um, yeah. often that it is difficult to edit your own. It, I, I actually think it's impossible to edit your own work. It is, yeah. It, really it does is. take a, a, a great measure of humility and vulnerability to hand it over to someone it, that's and take it, it. That's what it takes. But I think, I do think, A, you're close to it. And, you know, it depends on what you're writing. But B, I, you know, when I went through the editing process with my book, I realized that there were a lot of things that I took for granted because I already knew the backstory. I already I knew them in my head. Yeah. And so the editor was like, well, I don't, you know, like when you said this, what do you mean? Like, you know, she, a lot, some of it was just simply like, you didn't explain it enough. You didn't unpack it enough. Yeah. Or you said too much, like this is not necessary or whatever the case may be. And so I think you do need that outside perspective to kind of keep you in check. But it's, it, it does take a lot of courage. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad that you that courage and called yeah. called in the <laughs> called in the, uh, the expert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really good. I just wanted to let you know how you can support us over here at Writing Black Joy. Firstly, you can join our Patreon community over at patreon.com slash Sophia Robinson. And you'll find the link for that in the show notes. When you sign up over at Patreon to support us, you will get the opportunity to join our monthly group coaching calls and workshops that we'll be holding exclusively for Patreon supporters. So come on over and join the party. It's so much fun over there. Other ways you can support us, hit subscribe here on your podcast or over on the YouTube channel. You can also leave a podcast review, like our YouTube episodes and share us with your friends. You can head over to our website and sign up for our mailing list, www.writingblackjoy.com. Also, follow Writing Black Joy over on Instagram at Writing Black Joy. All of these will be in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and for supporting our show. Um, yeah. I know you were showing me before we jumped on, uh, before we hit record, uh, you've got another little project that you created and you did the illustrations yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we can talk a little bit about that, but I do have a couple of other things I want to talk about, but you can show us because I, I thought it was really cool. Um, and it does lead me to my next question. What would you do differently next time? What would I do differently next time? I think even with this, with this book, and one of my other friends in Northern Ireland, she's American, Willetta. Most of my friends seem to be women, by the way, but that's a different story. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I, I think it, in, in, this, in this particular space, a lot of people I've encountered have been, have been women who, who want to talk about this 
and plus a lot of the book is, is about beauty. But one of the things she had told me was um, sometimes my personality doesn't come out in my writing. And, and for me, I, I like to bring together, I like to put humor in a lot of, lot of my writing and the way I, even in a very formal setting, unless it's a very serious situation, I would try to use humor, not just to lighten, but to sort of inspire a different way of looking at, looking at things. Um, I think I would have tried to, to weave a bit more humor into the story because yeah. it, it is quite, a, quite a, a, a serious story and some of the themes that are highlighted there um, tend to be, there's a, there's a more profoundness to them than, than the levity. With, mm-hmm. with which I like to do. So, so this particular book is, is just that. Uh, this one is called Daddy, You Cannot Play Santa Claus, right? And it was an idea I had um, 2018, 2019, Christmas, 20, Christmas 2019 was, was when people were talking about, you know, could there be a black Santa Claus and... I was actually thinking about that just this morning. You know, you yeah. would not believe it. I really. <laughs> and and it was my my son who had sort of, and this one I dedicated to to him because he had sort of asked me about Santa Claus, and so I, so I, I went through this process of telling him, well, you know, Santa Claus is just an idea, but the original Saint Nick was, you know, from a Turkish priest, so he was he was actually a a white man with a beard. He was more of a a brown skinned <laughs> person, yes. you know. Yeah. That's sort of stuff. So, so I wrote this poem called "Daddy, You Cannot Play Santa Claus," which is about this very ambitious dad. And I'll show you some of the imagery. So the story goes on that he he wants to convince his kids that he could be Santa, right? Mm. Okay. Um. Yeah. So th- this was just a, a fun story that that i wrote after my son was asking about santa claus and could santa claus be be a black black man and so on Mm. so it's about this enthusiastic dad again it's not me he just happens to have Mm -hmm. just just happens happens to to have a beard like you and glasses and and stripey scarf yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) this guy's mission is to convince his his kids that he could be Santa Claus. So he starts off by showing them him dressed in a red hat, right? Okay. He says, Look, I have a red hat. So surely it could be Santa I Claus. Could be Santa Claus. And the children are like, Daddy, you cannot play Santa Claus. And then he has this lovely red coat that he shows them and says, Look, I have this lovely red coat. They're like, No, you cannot play Santa Claus Santa Claus. And then it gets to the stage where he even buys a whole set of reindeer and bring them in. And he says, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is not you. I know your wife would not be up for that. So, no. She, that is not you. <laughs> definitely not. Right? But, um, you know, he, he, goes, he goes all out on posing as Santa Claus for, for the school. And then I won't give the big reveal. But then no. by the very end, the children tell him, why he can't be Santa Claus. Okay, fair enough. And it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. a twist. Well, 
I, I hope that I hope that means then that we're gonna get a chance to to be able to purchase it because now I need to know what happened at the end. So it is, it is, it is available on on Amazon again, and it's Perfect. there. I love it. And gonna... the, the funny thing with this, one of the, I one of the, my favorite moments with this particular book is I just mentioned it to the people at work. I wrote this little kid's book, and then one of the guys he he sent me a message and he said. My wife has been reading that book to her two boys every night. <laughs> and they ask for it at Christmas. It's their favorite Christmas story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can't it was, yeah. get it. I'm so going to order it. It's happening. <laughs> it's absolutely happening. Um, what, what advice would you give to somebody who's a budding, let's just say creator, because, I mean, you're so many things. You're, you, you're you know, writer, songwriter. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about upcoming projects in a minute, but yeah. you know, you're so many things. You're banana bread baker. What advice would you give a, a, a budding creative? I would say, eat of the fruit of life, not of the fruit of comparison. Right? Uh, I love that. No, no. The reason, the reason for this is comparison really leads to death. It, it is what kills all your your projects, all your ideas die. The moment you start comparing, and, and not just comparing because you're saying, oh, this person is so much better than me. But even if you say, oh, I'm so much better than that person, death. It leads, mm-hmm. it leads, it leads to death. Because when you, say a pers- when you say somebody's work is so much better than, than yours, your, the quality of your work just starts to, to die. Comparison only leads to life if, you are, if, it, if it's an act of humility and inspiration. You know, if you're inspired by someone's work and the beauty of what they do and you're doing your thing with that as inspiration mm-hmm. that's life-giving but the moment you you start chewing on comparison it just leads to to shame and let down and you, you mm-hmm. stop working with excellence so so really avoid avoid that and uh, even in my in my music and my writing i've had to teach myself that and meditate on it and remind myself of that because quite often I'd be playing keys and then I'd hear somebody playing and I'd be like oh gosh <laughs> I might as well stop playing you know yeah. and then you know and then you stay realize wait a minute but this is what I'm good at what I do you know yeah. so yeah so it's fine you think yes but I'm I, I actually really think that's a great a great way to to look at it as well um Ta- let's let's talk about upcoming projects. I know you said you're thinking of uh, writing some more adult, uh, adult as in yeah. for adults, not necessarily adult themed, but uh, yeah, I know, no, for no. adult <laughs> uh, novels. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So there, there, there are two I have working on. One I've made quite good progress with. I don't, I don't want to talk about that one because okay, fine. I think, I think this, that one. I've told a few people around. I'll tell you. Offline about it. Yeah, that's. I've told problem. people about it, and, and the and the idea of it, I think, is I really enjoy the idea of it. It's something. It's a sort of story that I think needs to come out of Barbados. It, it's set in Barbados. Yes. Um, so <laughs> I love this. We'll talk about <laughs> it later. It's a little bit of a, a mystery. I'll tell you about that one. We'll talk about it. The later, other yeah. one is is the follow up of Nia and the Kingdoms of Celebration. Yes. And it's called. The truth of the rainbow roses, right? So in the in the in the kids' book version, the, this one, 
the rainbow roses, they, they sort of rise up at Nia's, after Nia's song and protect the kingdom and the world is, is good. The, the truth of the rainbow roses paints a different story of intrigue and darkness and mystery of, you know, stuff that's happening behind the scenes between these kingdoms. Mm-hmm. That's almost bringing them to the brink of, of war. Okay. And right? this sounds, again, this is sounding so good. <laughs> Um, and and there's and there's something there's um there's a reason why the world is so dispersed although there there's no borders right and it has to do with the some people the, the um the kingdom of the fragranti the kingdom of fragrant flowers they love the rainbow roses and they care for them the other kingdoms will believe that their mystical power needs to be removed because they it can be so dangerous. So when, when in the children's story, the king is very hesitant about his daughter sending the seeds to her friends, you know, it just seems very innocent, but it's not. Mm-hmm. There's a real There's serious a concern, there. concern there about mm-hmm. if the other kingdoms know that the rainbow roses still exists. Mm-hmm. That might not, that might be a problem. Yeah. Uh, this, this sounds sounding good. I'm so, looking forward so to that's, it. <laughs> So that so that's the the truth of the rainbow roses is that story, mm-hmm. and I there's some that. other things that happen in there. I've I've been thinking of the the queen as well of, of her her personality and trying to bring that person that personality out a bit more in this in mm-hmm. this story because um when when I saw her illustration by Sharice I was like whoa she's a woman she's <laughs> something about her nice <laughs> you know so I, I want to bring her personality out a bit more in in this this story as well perfect i love that how are you finding the process of writing a novel for adults different to writing a children's story i am i'm enjoying it both both of them have the the challenges with the i find with the adult story it's there's there's not illustration so it's kind of this this challenge but freedom to to write and more flowery language to, to paint mm. the illustration and words. To paint the pictures, yeah. To paint the picture, to fill in and plan and do a lot more planning of your characters and your mm-hmm. scenes and so on. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the, the children's book, there is, there's more story flow and, and thinking of the, the illustrations and how the illustrations tell the story almost. Mm. So, so there's that difference. And also with the children's book, the the challengers and, and again this is this is not I think we have to be careful of not being condescending with children and, and dumbing things down so that they can understand. Yeah um, true. But it's still being simple enough that children enjoy it and can mm-hmm. follow it. And if there are words that they don't know that they can easily just go off and look them up and come back and, and still enjoy the story. Yeah, so or enjoy it based on the context, you know. Based on the context, they get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it's and hopefully they, they learn while reading as well. And they get, yeah. they have interesting questions that they would answer. Whereas with, with an adult book, there's still that process of learning, but it's going to be a learning from a more experienced perspective, right? And it's different, different language, mm. different use of imagery, yeah. And almost sort of 
weave in a bit of your own philosophical yeah thinking and thinking in, into, yes. into it yeah of course i love that yeah. and um so yeah we'll definitely be looking out for more of that i'm gonna put the links to the books that you already have on amazon in the comments oh, there do you do you have any social media where people follow you or is that more just your personal stuff like how can people yeah so so follow me on instagram i'm I'm not the best at social media these days, to be honest, but, but there's stuff out there on Kingdoms of Celebration. If you look, Kingdoms of Celebration, you'll find me on Instagram, on Facebook. And then if you're interested in, in following a, a middle-aged man with random rants on Twitter. <laughs> I will follow that one, if you please. So we'll talk about that later. Random, random poetic rants. <laughs> Sounds good to me. It, uh, follow me on Phil the Music. On, on Twitter. That sounds good. I'm going to put all that in the comments. So <laughs> what type of things do you read? Do you even have time to read? I mean, it sounds like you're so, busy So reading, reading is interesting. Yeah. For me, I was never a, 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 a great reader. Like growing up with, with Joanna, Joanna was always reading. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of creating things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, doing, doing things. That was always, always us. But I do remember the, the first big thick book that I read that pulled me back into being a reader when I recognized, oh, this is what I'm interested in reading. And it was a book called The Kaffir Boy. I don't know if you've read that. No, no. But, the, um, I can't remember yeah. the name of the author, but it's, it's quite, a, quite a, a big book. But my uncle had given it to me and said, you should read this. And it's the life, life of a, a young boy. I read it when I was about 13. So I remember mm. reading it young boy growing up in Soweto in South Africa and just talking about his challenge, what he had to survive. Um, and that's when I started recognizing the, the sort of literature I am interested in. So I'm yeah. very, so I do like reading um, autobiographies or mm-hmm. historical books, that, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And, and just every now and then novels, um, book back here i'm reading is called complications by atul gawande which is i love listen I-, I love atul gawande is that a novel or yeah. is that a it's not well his books are almost yes like, like I... novels but it's him t- telling his story of working mm-hmm. in medicine yes listen yeah. i i could we could have a whole episode just talking about atul gawande he's one of my yeah. favorite writers people he's a surgeon yeah. he's just he did a, a nerdy moment but I listen to the Reef Lectures uh, every year. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, wow. that was the, fir- the very first time I listened to the Reef Lectures was his. Anyways, he did a Reef Lecture. Okay. Need to- he did. Yeah, you yeah. have to find it. it is, he talks yeah. uh, He talks a lot about um, a lot of things. He talks about medical, uh, you know, medical system and yeah. about aging, about hubris. It's just brilliant. It is. Yeah. It's just brilliant. I can't even, words can't even. Okay. I'll probably link it in the comments, need- but. I, yeah, I need to find that. Yeah, a few years ago, you got to find it. So I really like him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Recently, the other book, Walter Rodney. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those moments where you're made aware of a book, and you say, "What? Why, why didn't I read this as a as a youth?" So I'm currently reading reading his book, How How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. Um, it's mm. such a it's such a significant piece of piece of literature for, yeah. for us to be reading. Read. When I say us, I mean all people, 
all yes. people need to need to read it. reading it at this time yeah. i'm gonna definitely have a look for a look for that um yeah. and you brought up an interesting point um i always think about like right now i'm looking for christmas gift for my nephew he's seven mm-hmm. and you know I, I grew up as an avid reader so did my sister it's we're, we're still yeah. avid readers to this day but I realized when I, my godson was younger that he, he will read if he's interested. And so I think sometimes some of the books that we get, and this is just a, one of my little pet peeves, but I feel like some mm-hmm. of the books that we have to read at school are not interesting at all. And no. so it doesn't, children almost come up thinking that they don't like to read when they probably just don't like to read what they're Stuff given. they've been given. Um, and if you're not, you know, we, we grew up in the library every Saturday and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, in a house full of different types of books. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that that is something, you know, I always remember a while ago, there was this book series called Captain Underpants. I don't know if you know anything about Captain Underpants. This is very random. I've seen it. Yeah. But um, I remember my godson was really into that, into those books. And, okay. Um. And just realizing, like, you know, I gave him maybe, like, four books one year for Christmas, and he finished reading them by Boxing Day. But give him a book that he's not interested in, and he just, it will just sit there. It just sit um, there, yeah. And so, I, you know, that's another reason why I'm so happy for uh, so many of the different books that are coming, becoming mm-hmm. available, even through self-publishing, because I feel like we need, you know, ch- children will read if they're interested. Yeah. Really. Yeah. They'll yeah. read if they're interested. And if they're not interested you know in cj eat a ball or throw a ball or whatever it is like you're not they're not gonna read and that's yeah. that. so i love i love that there's so many you know different yeah on- yeah yeah it's, it's how it's how do you expose children to different things it's like eating you know mm-hmm. yeah of course it's like, like different different types of foods and yeah and stuff like that yeah how do you expose like, them to that how do you expose that like the other night um i was eating halloumi like mm-hmm. deep fried halloumi and my son was like what's that i said you should try it I, said, I don't like it i said you never tried it try it and he tried it he was like this is actually really good i said you see just try try things but the other thing that i recognized too because when i left barbados i wasn't into mushrooms eating mushrooms and olives that sort of stuff i never mm-hmm. had a taste for them but i remember there was one weekend I traveled with some of my colleagues from work uh, to the south of France and we were sort of in where were we quite close to, to Nice Moujon we were okay and um, we were in this nice little village restaurant with wine and olives and and there was just something good about that moment of sitting down it was warm outside it was slow the food was great the wine was great. It didn't cost a lot, and it was just good. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think there's there's something about having a social moment associated with food. And I yeah. suspect also with what you eat as well, mm-hmm. no, with what you read as well. Sorry. Yes, with what you read, and and what I like you read that. The social. Yeah. You know, when you think about you think about like you were talking earlier about your friend Judith. When you think about that yeah. favorite English teacher that you had, and you know, yeah. or, or your parents reading you this book. Um, yeah. it, I feel like it creates more than just the book. It creates uh, that experience. And then 
you have yeah. that memory. You know, I, I think there are books that I can think about. I won't name them now, but there are books I can remember staying up all night reading. Um, mm -hmm. And there was just something about it, you know, it, it, I, there were, that, that's what made them memorable. You yeah. know, waiting in line to get the book and then you stayed up all night reading it. Like there's something about that being in that time and place that made it memorable as well. So, yeah, yeah I would, I definitely would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I really appreciate you joining me. I have so many other questions, but we're going to wrap up here and maybe you're okay. going to have to come again on season three. I, I'll be very happy to. I yeah. really have. We, we'll explore our family links a bit more. Yes, we will. Right but then I'll have more information and we yeah. can talk a bit also about your songwriting and stuff like that because I, yeah. I just have so many more questions, but we're going to wrap it up here now. But if you are interested in any of Philip's books, like I said, I'm going to put all the links um, on the website. Uh, as well as on the show notes for the podcast. If you're listening to this on the podcast and you want to see the actual books that Philip wrote, come find us on YouTube. Yeah. All, right, all the links are going to be um, all over the place. And yeah, come find us, it, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the mailing list so you know when there are new guests. Um, season two is here and we have many more guests to come. So thanks so much for joining me, Philip. I'm going to have you again for sure. And Really appreciate that you were Thanks. able to. Thanks, Sapia. Appreciate Good it. Thanks. And everyone, happy reading. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about our guests in the notes below. And don't forget to hit subscribe to subscribe to our channel so that you don't miss new episodes when they drop. And if this has inspired you to get your own writing project into the world, click on my website below and learn how you can work with me as a writing coach or an editor. Until next time, I send you big love from a small island.